Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Monthly payment calculation assumes 5% down at 7% APR over 30 years. Are you paying more than $225 a month in rent? Well, if you are, you should know that you may be paying way too much. That's right, because you can actually own your own home for just $225 a month. Don't believe it? Check it out for yourself. Call Hot Props for a free list of hot foreclosure deals. 1-800-920-5977. Like a beautiful three-bedroom, two-bath for only $35,000. That's a monthly mortgage of only $225 a month. Plus, Hot Props is offering a home rebate of up to $1,000 in cash. And if you call right now, you can find out how to get up to an extra $2,500 on top of that. So call now for your free foreclosure list. Listen, if you're paying more than $225 a month in rent, you may be getting ripped off. Call Hot Props now to learn how to get your free foreclosure list. 1-800-920-5977. That's 1-800-920-5977. 1 800 925 Heavy metal, the way it was meant to be.
Welcome back to Heavy Metal Mayhem. It's the first show of September, and it's Labor Day weekend, so I want to wish everybody happy Labor Day out there. I know if you're not around to listen to the live show tonight because you're away, you're having some beers or some barbecue, you can catch the podcast later on. And i got a great show for you tonight. i got a couple of returning guests. Neil Turbin of Death Riders will be calling in first, and we're going to follow him up with Blaine Gilbert of November. I had both of these guys on a couple of years ago. Neil's got a lot happening. So does Blaine, and we'll get to them as the show goes on. But we're going to keep the music happening right now. I'm a little hoarse today, so I'm going to try to save my voice for my guest. How about we do a little Broker's Helm with Helm's Deep?
That was Tuck from Hell with King of Thrash. Last night I was interviewed on uh, Aaron Joyce show, Roman Midnight Music, and he had asked me if I, you know, play any new bands or listen to any new bands or give them a chance. And I said kind of like no in a way. I don't really play enough new music on the show. Cause it's basically an 80s metal show, and what we do play new is usually by the artists from the 80s who are doing stuff today. But I came across this, and I thought it was really good, so we put it on and gave it a shot. Not bad. Pretty good. Tuck from Hell. Not sure where they're from. I don't know much about them, but the song is called King of Thrash. And I forgot to mention, I opened up today's show with uh, Hands Up by Cooney, and that features our guest Neil Turbin. That goes back in the day. Cooney was a really good guitar player, just never got enough uh, attention uh, back in the 80s. Don't know if he's still around or still active today, but he put out a few good records. And that comes off the record Mask uh, that Neil did some guest vocals on. There was a ton of people on that record. Uh, maybe we'll get into it with Neil if we have time and uh, talk more about that. Well, let me see here. Let me get on a few more songs. You know what? Let's do our demolition segment demo and get that out of the way before I forget. This is a band called New Eden. Uh, they're out of L.A. They came out in the, the early 90s uh, to mid-90s, around 93. Uh, they're still active today. And they put out a few records. The last one was uh, Stagnant Progression back in 2003. But we're going to give you the first demo tonight. This is off the Savage Garden demo from 1994. And I really don't remember these guys from back then. I was looking up some stuff on James Rivera to do a show. And he actually played for the band in a bit in the late 90s. And he was on a demo of this from 1998. That's not the one we're giving out today. I'm going to save that for another time. Uh, but here's New Eating. The song is called Cold New World.
more Neil there for you, going back to the Anthrax stage with Death Rider. Neil will be calling in about 10 minutes. Got enough time to get on one more song, and we'll do our Carl's Metal Pick of the Week. Uh, the song is brought to you by Carl'sMetal.com. That's Carl with a K, giving you the leading source of all New Jersey hard rock and heavy metal. Don't forget to check out Carl's site. We'll get to that song in a minute. I saw that Paul Deano just did a show in Rome, so I guess he's out of jail. I guess he did his time, and he's back out on the road. Uh, saw him about a year or so ago when he came to New York. Uh, it was in the dead of winter. And uh, I tell you, I, I personally I thought he sounded terrible. I'm a big Paul Diano fan, especially the old Iron Maiden stuff. But uh, he he just lost it in the vocal department. And, you know, I understand as guys get older, it's not easy singing and being a singer. But if you can't do it at all, just don't do it no more. And I, I think it's time for him to pack it in. But uh, maybe a couple of months in jail, maybe, you know, dropping a soap here and there might have helped him reach out and get those high notes again. So we'll see what happens with uh, Paul Diano. I also said that Venom's album got pushed back to uh, October, late October, early November. The album's called Fallen Angels. And uh, I think this week or next week on the Metal Matinee, uh, Venom is the featured artist. And I got a live show by those guys from about a month ago, and they featured two new songs off the new record. And they sound fantastic, so I'm really looking forward to this record uh, in November. Also, uh, Dan Bieler, a former drummer from Excited, we had Dan on the show about a month or so ago in the middle of the summer, and uh, he was a great guy. They finally got signed to a record label, uh, High Roller Records, and that album's going to be coming out. It's called Messages to the Dead. And uh, Dan sent me some songs off that record, and uh, maybe we'll get them on next week, and uh, we'll give you a little sample of what's to come. I was a big Excited fan, and these songs kind of bring back those old Excited days. I really like the new Exciter also, and I, I like what they're doing, but it doesn't have that classic Exciter sound uh, like Dan came out with on his stuff, so definitely go and check that out. Uh, but right now, let me go connect Alex, and uh, we're going to get on one more song. Hey, Alex, you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Hey, buddy. Right, good. Just hang on. i got to get one more song on before Neil calls in, and uh, okay, he's getting fine. close. But uh, like I said, this is our callmetal.com pick of the week. Check out Carl's website. That starts with a K. Uh, let me see what call sent me here. Ba 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 ba. Sorry, there haven't been any updates to the site for a while, folks. I've had some computer issues, as well as flooding from the hurricane, and we had an earthquake here the same week. Speaking of earthquakes, this week's track comes from Pennsylvania's own earthquake, Aftershock. That's the name of the band. This is Armed and Dangerous off the full-length debut record from 2002, Unfinished Business. It's funny that the song is on the dangerous and we have Neil Turbin coming on the show. But let's get that on right now. This is the callmetal.com pick of the week. Check out Call's website.
Carl, you picked out a good one there. That was some really good stuff. I, I love hearing new bands that have that classic hard rock and metal style. Hey, Alex, what's going on, buddy? How are you, Mike? That was a killer song there. Yeah, wasn't that? Go go check out Carl's website. He's got a lot of great bands on there and really good stuff. Uh, that was a good one. I really enjoyed that. I yeah, gotta I, pick well, up the I, record. I, I always like the picks he sends over to you. Yeah, he's got some great stuff on his site, and that was a good, that was another good one. So there you go, callsmetal.com, pick of the week. Alex, you want to talk to Neil tonight? Yes. Yeah. Right, so I'm just going to keep you on because he's going to be calling in a few minutes. I'll just keep you on. Yeah, you, you, you can keep me on, and I'll just jump in whenever. You got it, no problem. I know I was talking to you before about a concert. Uh, it was Adrenaline Mob was the band I was thinking of when I said that there was only like 40 people at the show. Oh, yeah. That, Adrenaline Mob is the band that Mike Portnoy formed. Uh, his new, his, Well, I think it's a project, but he calls it a band. Uh, he has Russell Allen from Symphony X on vocals and uh, Rich Ward on guitar from Fozzie and uh, Michael Landa, who's uh, from New Jersey. He's a great guitar player. But they only drew about 40 or 50 people, I heard, in San Francisco. Wow. So, I mean, that's a far cry from the Dream Theater days, you know? Well, and Dream, you, you would think, too, that's that's basically like if you're a fan of progressive metal, that's like an all-star lineup. Definitely. Definitely. So you would think you you would think that would draw in more people. It just goes to show that the, the scene just sucks. Yeah, and the, and the club I was telling you, I was mentioned before, you said it was in Warchester, the Palladium, I guess? Yep. They had about 100 people there, you know, so... Uh, you know, it, it's, it's got to be rough going from one extreme to the next like that, but it was his choice, and I know he has a new band now. I can't remember the name of it with John Sykes, and uh, they didn't mention who the bass player was, but I'm, I'm interested in hearing that. Yeah, when it, when is that supposed to be coming out? I, I don't know. I, I They were saying in the new year uh, something was supposed to come out with that, but I'm not too sure. But uh, hang on one second, Alex. I think I have uh, Neil on the line. Looks like a Skype call. Hey, Neil, you there? Hey, brother. How's it going, man? I'm doing good, man. It's been a while. How you been? Great. Great to be back on the show with you guys, and uh, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to have you on here. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Can you hear me pretty good there? I hear you pretty good. I, I, I just got your message late before the show. I sent it to you saying that they can call in on the same number if they want, so you know you don't all have to be together or go through that trouble. No worries. We're going to have the band join us today. Oh, great. That sounds good. And pretty much got a whole new lineup uh, for Death Riders. How did this all come about? Yeah, we have some great, uh, you know, um, you know, synergy in the band and uh, having, you know, the right people to work together that want to be there, that want to, you know, contribute and be part of the team. You know, that's really the key to, I think, any successful enterprise. And whether it be a, you know, whether it be a band, whether it be a business, whether it be a marriage, you know, whatever it is, a relationship, I mean, I think it's key to have people that, you know, bring something to the table. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? Having people that are not just there for the ride, but they're there to contribute and be part of it. Exactly. It's, it's got to be important. Yeah, and that's where it's at. You know, we've got guys that are just, uh, you know, we get in the room together, and it's uh, a real synergy, you know. And when we're not in the room together, you know, people are excited about being part of the band, and they want to contribute. And I can't say that I've ever been in a band that, that has ever been that way. You know, even from the the very beginning, you know, having people that want to promote the band, they want to, you know, do something instead of it being the other way around where you have to, like, ask people to do stuff that, you know, you're tasked with because no one else will do it. Yeah, it's got to be rough. It must be a good feeling that you got guys that are willing to participate, especially since, you know, it, it's a different world right now. It's a different business. It's not as easy as it used to be. So you kind of got everybody on the same page, and that's important. So so who are your new members? I, I think one of them might have called in. Uh let me see. Uh, 
Area code eight five zero five three two. I don't want to say the whole number. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Hey, we man. got uh, we got a. I'll, I'll announce all the guys, and uh, that's Jake Jake Dreyer, who's the guitar player, along with Mike Guerrero. Hey. Hey, How you Jake. doing, Jake? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You had a pretty good instrumental EP out in the beginning of the year. Oh, right on, man. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. Thank you uh, very anytime. much. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah, Jake is a guitar wizard. There's no doubt about it, and uh, he's in high demand these days, getting lots of phone calls of uh, people trying to tear him away from Death Riders. So, yeah. <laughs> that's the way it is. Oh, no, you're kind, man. That's what happens but, when you uh, got you know. That's what happens when you date a hot chick, and everyone else wants to go out with her. Well, you know what I mean? I'm not a chick, but <laughs> I wish I was sometimes. <laughs> um, I but don't. Yeah, man. No, no man. It's uh, it's great man I, I love playing with death riders man and, and neil is uh i mean he's one of the most uh he's got one of the best vocals vocals out there right now in heavy metal definitely. and it's um it's definitely and one of the things that i really liked about it was is that you see a lot of guys that come out now and i'm not gonna mention any names or talk about you know anybody but um you know some some guys out there they, they don't take care of their voice like that you get kind of bummed whenever you go see a show and like they can't hit the notes like that and it's or it's just like they're you know they're tuned down to like you know two whole steps where the guy the singer can sing and uh, and I mean Neil just nails it every single time. Even at rehearsal, he's always he's always on par. And he's one of the best dudes out there to um, to work with as well. I mean, extremely cool and extremely understanding on on everything. So um, yeah, I mean I'm honored to work with Neil and Death Riders. It's been a great time. Uh, yeah, I was just saying that about Paul Diano a little while ago. I saw him last year, and he just didn't have. I love Paul Diano, that only made him face, but he just doesn't have the chops anymore. And after a while, you know, it's kind of gets disappointing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely for like for, for the fans and stuff like that because they want to go out there and you know they, they pay they pay the ticket price and they want to see someone who's, um, you know, who actually kind of sounds like they do on the record or or better. And uh, I mean, with with Neil, it's just like you know, I mean, I was the first time I heard him sing. Uh, I actually went down to his uh, his house in um, in Los Angeles and we rehearsed and like he was just singing over over the guitar and I was like, wow, this is. This sounds great, you know. I had no idea what was going to kind of going in, like what it was going to be like. If it was going to be, you know, maybe there was a lot of studio stuff going on, but I was I was blown away by how natural it sounds. And to me, I, I think I personally think he sounds better today than he did at the con, the the Anthrax stuff. I think his voice is mature a lot more, and it's just um, it's great, man. It's got great vocal hooks to it, and uh, I'm a sucker for you know great vocal melodies. That's what really catches me on a song. So. Um, yeah, it's just been it's been awesome working with Neil and all the other guys in the band. I'm sure Neil's mentioned them, you know, Peter. Um Actually I haven't and, yet uh, because I was gonna introduce him but we'll we'll get there. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead, Neil, sorry about that. Oh no worries, man. I no, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But um yeah, Neil. yeah I just wanted to also mention of course, um you know, we've got Giovanni Torres on the line and also Peter Vasquez who's on drums and Gio Giovanni, we call him Gio. He's on bass, and actually, Gio has played with us before, back in a previous lineup. So, you know, he's not a newcomer by any means because he's played with us uh, last year. He was filling in for some dates that um, our previous bass player, you know, was unavailable. So it was, uh, you know, really cool to have people that were familiar and you know, really good guys. I mean, as as you can tell, I mean, with Jake, I mean, he's just, uh, you know, great person to work with, a great talent, a, a, you know, definitely a guitar hero. That's uh, you know, it's not up and coming anymore. He's coming. He's here now. You know, and um, people that have heard him. I mean, I think that his playing speaks for itself. And you know, I mean, I just happen to to recognize you know great playing when I can hear it and see it. So, um, 
and also Mike Guerrero, who's not on the call, but uh, hopefully he'll be, have a chance to join in. But um, you know, I think we might have Mike on the line now. Is it eight eight zero? I'm not sure. <laughs> Two one three area so. code. You there? Uh, yeah, I'm right here. It's Giovanni Torres. Oh, it's Giovanni. There you go. Yeah, how's it going, Mike? And I'm right I'm here with doing Peter. Great, man. So we got great. Giovanni and Mike. Mike, we got Giovanni and Peter. So hopefully you can hear us good because I know how the transmission of the the voice sounds when it's recorded. Sometimes you know people need to speak up real loud. Yeah, everybody's coming in pretty good right now. I got a lot of you on the line, so I'm trying to keep everything going here. But uh, I'm glad to have everybody here today, and I'm excited. But Neil, you talk about you got this whole new lineup now. The band's like refreshed and ready to go. How's it look for new music? Is it really that important today to get something out right away, or? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, Mike, and it's not, uh, you know, not unexpected that you'd bring that topic up. But, you know, we were just talking about it um, just before the call that we had, you know, just before the interview today. And, you know, I was just um, talking about the fact that maybe it makes sense for us to, um, you know, put out an EP, you know, first and get it out there now because I know people have been waiting and, and we're, we've been waiting too. And, you know, we we rather have it happen sooner than later. So, you know, I actually have a meeting today with Joe Floyd from Silver Cloud, and, um, you know, I mean, Joe is a good friend, and, you know, we'd love to work with him, and, you know, that would be a really good combination. I mean, as you know, he's worked on the Halford albums and, um, you know, just an amazing guy, an amazing producer, an amazing artist as a, you know, member of Warrior and other bands, and, you know, and he's right here near me, where I, you know, in the beach cities in the South Bay in California. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that, Neil. It's been a long time since we heard it. I mean, there's clips and stuff on the internet, but we're dying for something new. And uh, is it just is it does it matter like just to put something out, just to have something out, or do you just want to wait till you have what you really want to get out there? And I'm sure you've built up some some army of songs over the years. Yeah, well, you're right, and you know, I don't think it's worth doing something just to go through the motions. I mean, it's kind of like um, you know, if you're not really into it, then what's really the point? I mean. I think I think it's it's more um compelling to do something because you're motivated because you have you know it's something that is compelling you from within to to make it happen and I think truly that that's where we are today. I mean, we have a band a, a real band that is is all, you know, most of the band, you know, four-fifths of the band's on the, on the line right now and it just goes to prove my point that you know people are are with the program, you know. And we're ready to, to thrash and, and be thrashed and get it out there. And, and um, you know, I think we want to get this out there more so than the fans want to hear it because, you know, from our standpoint, we want to get out there and support a product, excuse me, and we want to, you know, get out there and, and play out and, and have, you know, a product to, to give to people or to sell to people or, you know, just so people can have something in their hands, you know, just like the old days when you'd go to the store and buy a record album and, you know whether it's a Kiss album, and you can unfold the <laughs> insert and see, you know, what's inside a Kiss Alive two or something, and be excited. You know, yeah, we want to have that that fresh feeling of a new product and and something that people can open up the booklet and learn about the guys in the band and and see the pictures and you know hear the music and and of course uh, you know nowadays they don't do that they just download your music right for free. But 
that's whatever true. it that's, is. That's shame of it. I, I say that every week on every show. I mean, people don't realize how great it is to get that album, see the pictures of the band, read stories, even the liner notes. I mean, it was like a whole experience, and that's missing today. And uh, you can't get that from downloading this. Even if you pay for the song, you still can't get that from from a download. It's not like having that that product in your hand. So I'm hoping that you you know you put a full package out when you you know you do it. I know it's more involved than just saying doing it, but uh, I hope that we get the real deal with you. Well, we're definitely going to put out the real package, the real you know comprehend you know something that's nice. We're not just going to throw something out there because we just don't think that way. But I think it's important to have product out there you know, sooner than later, and I think the time has come. Uh, also, you know, I have a lot of songs that I've written and a lot of songs that, that I've, you know, contributed to past bands, you know, such as ones that would come to mind, perhaps. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say that, you know, Death Riders wants to re-record those tracks and put something out there in that respect. I think it would be a really accurate reflection and a better recording, and also songs that I never had the opportunity to sing on that I wrote, which... You know, I think it would be exciting to have a really fresh approach at it, and actually the original approach, because some of the songs were tampered with or changed. You know, I call them tampered because, yeah. you know, when you change something for the worse and not for the better, you know, changing lyrics and trying to change, you know, when you try to change stuff just to throw your name on it, I think that's just not artistry. That's just, uh, you know, ego, egostry. I agree, and anybody who listens to some of the old live anthrax and hears on the Dangerous and those songs that you played live, They'll know the difference between that and the ones that came out later on on the album. So that says it right there. Yeah, I don't know if you had a chance to check out the version that's out on YouTube right now from their House of Blues show. But I know no, Gio's. I, see been, that one. I know Gio's been pimping that. You might have to check that out during a break. But uh, that—that's uh, you know we we had a really great show at the House of Blues, and I'll let the guys talk about that. Gio, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here, man. Man, so how's everything going? How's it feel playing in the band with Neil now? Oh, man, it's fucking amazing, man. Like, you know, just growing up, like, actually, like, hearing them on the albums, and now, like, I never thought I would actually have the opportunity to play with someone, like, someone as good as Neil. Definitely. Neil's a, Neil's a great guy, and it must be a good experience getting out there. And you also played, uh, didn't you play with the Peter and Ice Storm? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was great, you know, being in a band with Gio, you know. Uh, how talented he is, and you know, I, and it was just great working um, with all those great musicians, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that you're gonna have a lot of great experiences coming up because Neil's a seasoned pro, and I know he's gonna guide the ship in the right direction. I'm excited to hear something new with all you guys on it together. And and Neil, like over the years, you've played with like so many people, like in different projects. Uh, going back to the early days, you leave you leave New York, you head out to L.A. How's everything in L.A. back in the day? Because that was hair metal was that you know was ruling the world back then. You go out to L.A. What were you expecting and trying to get started out there? Well, it's like selling tea in China. You know, you're not the only <laughs> one. You're not the only one doing it. You know, and there's yeah. a lot of competition. So you have to look at at that and you know what sets you apart from from your competition. And I just wanted to also interject and say that uh, you know Peter Vasquez and Giovanni Torres being an ice storm. You know, they played with Death Riders back in 2008. So I, I think, uh, you know, Peter Peter and Giovanni, they I don't know how old you guys were back then, but it was a battle of the bands that Death Riders had uh, headlined. So we did, the, you know, we were the last band to play as a headliner just to kind of give everyone, you know, a special show out there at the Montebello. Bello, um, it was like a little outside amphitheater. 
And actually, Ice Storm won that Battle of the Bands, and I was very impressed seeing that band perform. I mean, they were really great for, you know, not only for their age, but, you know, they were progressive metal. I mean, they were a kick-ass band. So, we, you know, I was like, damn, these guys, you know, some of these guys could be in, the, in Death Riders. And, you know, lo and behold, here it is. These young kids keep you on your toes, huh? Yeah, man. It's you know they don't mess around these days. There's there's a lot more you know advances in technology and and what kids can uh, you know get out of music these days as opposed to back when I was coming up. You know, I got I got a piece of wax, you know, vinyl. That was it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, a lot of different world back then. Recording on you know on, on real tape and now everything's Pro Tools. You prefer the new way of recording compared to the old way? I mean, like sound wise. Oh, well, you know, that's like asking yourself, uh, you know, would you rather have a GPS so you can find where you're going, or would you rather, you know, blindfold yourself and not have a map or a GPS? I mean, I think having the technology and being able to leverage that, I mean, it's 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 all about, you know, using the technology, but I think not abusing it because, you know, all the stuff with auto-tune, I mean, a lot of these newer artists that are using that, you know, that sound awful without it. I mean, I don't use auto-tune. I don't use any of those types of, you know, plugins and so forth i mean we got you know us us and uh, death riders i mean it's really old school it's really bare bones you know get the raw sounds get get as much analog and then you know manage it digitally manage the the tracks in a in a pro tools format so this way you know you don't have to edit and splice tape and do stuff like we did back when which is exactly what we did and um you know very expensive to record in a studio at, in those times when you had to do it on tape, and then you had to buy the tapes, and yeah, you know that was thousands of dollars just for that piece of it, and then you know the studio time, and then you need other, you have to rely on other people. I mean, I've been very self-reliant. I mean, I op- operate my own uh, Pro Tool studio, and I have you know all kinds of uh, gear and stuff. So I mean, that's not a, an issue. I mean, I have one component of of the studio process. So you know, this way we're not you know it's kind of um, you know you're not just putting it all in one all your eggs in one basket where you're relying on the studio to do all the work and all the, all the recording. I mean, there's a lot of vocals that get recorded, so I can manage all that. I could record guitars and, you know, bass tracks and, and even drums if I was, uh, you know, daring enough. But I mean, we really want to have the live drums, not, you know, you know, not, uh, you know, the fake drums. So I think that's the, that's the area where you go into a studio because you need to have that live drum sound and, and deal with that. So that's kind of a whole artist, you know, that's a whole art form within itself is just recording and miking the drums and even the guitar sounds as well. But you can still record the guitars and use those. I mean, the way we have the technology today, you can use guitar sounds and just, you know, get the uh, signal for those guitars. I mean, that's what people are doing. That's why you can use your home studio to do part of the work. I don't know if you can do all the work, but some bands put out product that way. and Some of it sounds damn good. No, it really does. I mean, the technology just becomes, you know, it's gone so far that you can do that. In a way, we're kind of like going back to the to the old days where, you know, bands had to do everything on their own, you know, before record labels had any interest in heavy metal or anything else. And it seems like we're right back there again right now, but just for different reasons. Most because the record labels are in shambles right now, and, you know, it's a whole different world with them also. So how do you take that approach? Do you, do you think it's better to try to do everything on your own? Because at least you have more control than when a record label gets involved. Well, honestly, I think it's important to have the business, you know, organized behind you. It's obvious out there in the big world when you have uh, artists that, you know, have a lot of good business behind them and, you know, they're they're just everywhere, you know. They they've got the push behind them. I think for us 
having artistic control to a point is important, but having the uh, you know the vehicle to get the word out there, to get the product out there, and get it in brick and mortar locations, you know, get your product in stores across the the world, the universe, you know, everywhere, and get the word out there, and having having the PR machine behind that, I think, you know, those are things that are beyond what a band internally should have to do, and and you know can do really. I mean, we can only push it as far as we can, word of mouth, you know. But yeah. I think that's where, you know, you want to have that support and you want to have the label putting you on festivals and, and tours and things like that. So right now, you know, we are DIY, you know, do it yourself. And that's that's the way it has been. But, you know, we've been able to get on tours and festivals. And we've played and we've booked ourselves and we've, you know, we keep pushing. That's it. You know, we keep on keeping on and we're not going to stop. You know, no one's going to stop us. That's that's the attitude. You've been over to Europe with the band, maybe not the new band, right? But in the past, we were there in May. We toured over in uh, Austria and Germany and Netherlands, and you know, we played uh, Metal Bash 2011 festival and uh, over there in Germany, and played a few times in the Netherlands, played in Austria. So yeah, we toured Europe this year, and we were there in 2009 for Headbangers Open Air and Rock Tower Festival. Actually, Paul Diano played with us there. Uh, in Lubeck, a few shows, and actually um, we had the honor of having him go on before us, which was kind of interesting, but uh, a lifelong, um, you know, desire to play with Paul Diano or anyone from Iron Maiden, and that was just really cool because I've always loved, you know, Killers and, you know, the early Iron Maiden material. And, uh, you know, we've played with uh, some bands. I mean, we played Sweden Rock in 2006, Monterey Metal Festival 2005, um, Thrash Against Cancer with Testament and... You know, they're great bands in, in San Francisco. So, I mean, we've done some things. You know, it's not like we're 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 brand new or anything, but we're we're definitely renewed and you know re-energized for sure. They, they say the scene over in Europe is just incredible. I mean, in those countries, they're, they're still so loyal and die-hard. Uh, do, do you come across that over there? Do you see the difference between the crowds here in America these days and and over in Europe? Well, I think it's just. The people over in Europe, you know, they really love their metal, but let's not underestimate the the folks here in the U.S. I mean, it's just more spread out. I think, you know, people in the United States are very much indoctrinated with, um, you know, force-fed information via the the media and via, you know, kind of the sheeple approach where, you know, you're doing what everyone else is doing because that's the, the way to do it. You know, it's kind of like, well, you know, you have to like golf because everyone else likes it or something. Yeah. I, I just don't subscribe to that. I think, you know, people should think for themselves. And I think in Europe, you know, there's very much that mentality. People are very, you know, the way that they're educated in school, I think it's much different than the system in the United States. I think it's a whole lot different. I think that, you know, when you have countries like Sweden where they support music and they'll take musicians and put them in, into school with scholarships to study music, I think it's great to appreciate the arts because arts is what um, – you know, I, I think uh, promotes higher intelligence and higher thinking, and and you know, it's mathematical, really. I mean, real music. Not we're not talking about uh, you know rhyming and no singing <laughs> or, or or gargling. We're talking about you know classical music and you know something that's mathematical. So I think you know just the the musicianship, the musicality that comes from from Europe is amazing, and of course, you know. That's carried on through the years where it was a bounce back effect where you had, you know, the United States and then, you know, Europe bouncing back, you know, like you had the blues artists back here in the States and then, you know, artists like in the 60s, 
like the Stones and the Beatles, you know, coming back with their response. And then you had, you know, the response back from the U.S. with Hendrix and, you know, yeah. Bob Dylan and people like that. And then, you know, and Cream. And, and then back from Europe, you know, your Judas Priest and your Black Sabbath. So, I mean, it, you know, it kind of, I think we always like, what we always want something that we don't have. It's kind of like, you know, oh, wow, I never heard that before. You know, you want to, you know, it, it's always nice to hear cool new stuff, but I think that there's just a great opportunity still over there in Europe and, and even in the States. It's just that, you know, people are much more careful about where they spend their money because there's a lot less money to spend, you know, that, that kind of disposable income that people had to go to concerts and to buy albums. I think, you know, now they have to consider, um, you know, food and bills and necessities sure. first, which is, you know, I think a crisis that not only the U.S. has, but I think it's worldwide. And I think, um, you know, the banksters are, are behind that. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, there's no doubt about that. You know, there's Neil, too. It's like, you know, when you look at concerts today, like, you know, a show here in New York, some of these shows are going for $10, $12. I know when you don't have the money, like, because of the economy, it, it's rough. But the shows are, are, are just as cheap now as they were in the 80s over here, or sometimes even cheaper, and you're getting three or four bands on the bill. So it's not a big deal. It's just getting people out. At least I can't say like how it is where you guys are in L.A., but over here, I mean, you know, I mean, you come from New York. If there's a show in Queens, people from Brooklyn don't want to travel to Queens no more. They want to come to Brooklyn. It's like nobody wants to go out anymore. That seems to be a big problem we're having over here. I think that's a really good question, and um, I'm going to let uh, Giovanni and, and Jake and Peter, you know, and if Mike, Mike Guerrero has joined us, I don't know if he has, but uh, I'll let the guys, uh, you know, talk to that because, I mean, they go to shows, you know. They're out there you know, checking out bands, and I'm out there too, but, you know, I think that's a, a good question for them to, to you know, kind of uh, jump in on. Definitely. Hey, guys, how is it out there in L.A. going to the shows? I mean... Uh, it's cool. I mean, like, there's definitely, like, I, I come from Florida, and, like, I come from like, kind of a small town up there, and we have we don't have any of the, like, the, the whiskeys or the key clubs or the House of Blues out there, so we don't really get that many big shows. Um, and one of the cool things I found about L.A. is, like, uh, I, music means a lot to people out here. Like, you'll, you'll go to shows, and it'll be packed. Like, the House of Blues show, I mean, I was blown away by how many kids there were there. It was probably, like, a 1,000 people, I think. Um, wow. And probably, probably more. I mean, there was, like, a whole line. It was, like, an 18-plus show. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's really cool. I mean, it, it's pretty good out here in the music scene as far as people going to shows. You know, there's always, um, as far as the shows I've been to, um, it's always been a a pretty decent amount of people, um, which is um, which where I'm from. You know, we'd be lucky if we get five people in the crowd. You know, um, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a breath of fresh air out here for sure. And California is a big place, also. I mean, you know, going from up north to down south, it's a lot of land to cover. Also, is it the same like you know throughout California, or is it just basically focused on LA? Um. I'm not really sure. I, I haven't really been to any shows in San Francisco. Maybe Gio or Peter, um, since they're actually from LA, um, they might have a better better answer on that. I mean, do you guys find anything like that? Um, well, I mean, I haven't really played. This is Giovanni again. Um, I haven't really played that many shows like away from LA. But in LA, you have like so many music scenes out here. But as for the venues and stuff, like I would say, uh, most of the promoters, you know, they just they're just in it for, like, the money. So a lot of the shows, like, the local bands have to sell, like, an exaggerated amount of tickets and, like, bring their own crowd. So, you know, it's, like, it's very hard for other bands because, like, I mean, 
since like each band's bringing their own crowd, they they have like a tendency to hate on other bands and their crowd and like I don't know, there's just a lot of tension between bands and different scenes out here in LA. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that too. It's like, you know, do you see like pay to play coming more and more relevant out there and selling the tickets? Is that I more mean, than normal now than you know just getting paid to play the show? Um, no band gets paid out here, man. Like really, yeah. unless uh, unless they're a really big band to like Century Media or a big record label, no band gets paid out here. That's a I shame mean, too, because it's a you know you got to earn a living. Also, this is a business. You got to make money, and it gets harder. And I see that with bands like around here, they expect bands to sell tickets to make their money. But you have a band traveling from another state to here; they don't know anybody. It's very difficult yeah. to sell tickets unless you're playing in your, you know, where you come from, and so it's just going to make it harder and harder for these bands to want to get out there too. Well, That's I just want to I just want to interject and say that you know, I mean, definitely we get paid. I mean, we don't do it completely for free all the time. I mean, there's certain venues or opportunities where you know, if they say, okay, well, you know, we want you to play, um, you know, L.A. Convention Center or something, you know, or Pomona. Um, you know, Fairplex, which we've played before, the Body Art Expo that they had a, a year, two years ago. So, I mean, there's certain events that we're going to do because it just is a high-profile gig. But, sure. you know, or, or for charity, you know, we've played, you know, I've done things for Children of the Night, which is a great charity here in Los Angeles. And, you know, things like that are going to make sense to do. But, you know, do, I mean, do people do people go to work and not get a paycheck? I mean, do you just go to work and do it for free? I mean, is that what you should do? Is should people expect you to go to work and not get paid? Because that's what people are thinking if if they want a band to play for free. It's like if if you think, well, okay, well, what, can you give me some free CDs? Can you send me, you know, photos and guitar picks? Can you send me things in the mail? Can you, um, you know, give me your CD? Can you give me free tickets? Can you put me on the guest list? Because that's the way a lot of thinking is out there. It's like, but people should realize that this is how bands make money. And, you know, I look on, on the, the merch websites for some bands, and, you know, some of these bands are twenty four ninety nine for a shirt. Yeah. You know, if you want to buy an old Fistful of Metal shirt, which I don't get paid a penny on, which, you know, I was completely part of that band, well, that's a whole other conversation topic. But, you know, twenty four ninety nine. that's what I saw. So, you know... That's just the reality that's out there. People are charging, you know, when they can charge, you know, when their stock price goes up, they can charge a higher price for their merch. You know, we're selling shirts for 10, 15, 20 bucks, 25 bucks, depending on short sleeve, long sleeve, you know, double sided print, sleeve prints, et cetera. So, you know, thermal, et cetera. So, you know, it's all about that. And I think you got to make money. You got to play out live. I mean, you can't download. Uh, certain things <laughs> you're not going to download all the the booklet and the stuff that you're going to hold in your hand the extra stuff the um you know bonus things that they might put in a in a package when you buy something from the record store or from online an online you know brick and mortar or an online uh, location like an amazon.com or something or an ebay so you're really looking at uh, the band having to take it take it a step further and really be in touch with the fans you know that means playing live that means being face to face with fans and you know i think the guys that we have are are definitely people persons and um you know it's good to have that because before things were different and you know just having a group of guys that want to work together and that appreciate what we're doing and um you know appreciate the music and and are really truly a team and i didn't pay anyone to say any nice things about me it's just nice to 
to be with guys that, you know, appreciate their opportunities and, you know, want to be there. And I think, you know, everybody speaks for themselves on that. And, and Mike Guerrero, who's not, not on the call today, I mean, he's, um, you know, amazing guitar player, amazing person. He's been with me for uh, the last four years. So, you know, he's definitely a, a vibrant part of Death Riders. And, you know, we're we're a force to be reckoned with, and we're going to keep on, you know, thrashing and, and hitting the world in every every possible place that we can. Of course, you know, doing it ourselves, it makes, you know, certain limitations. But I think, you know, next step is probably go for an EP and get it out there so the fans can have something in their hands. I think, you know, why not just get it out there? Of course, you know, we want to do it right and put the full-length release out there. But, you know, whatever makes the most sense, really, is where we're at. We're not uh, thinking with ego. We're just trying to think pragmatic. Sure, I understand that. How, how's everything looking song-wise? Uh, anything new, anything old on there? Because I know you must have tons of songs from over the years. Uh, anything that you're looking to get on there from from the old days or from now? Well, that's a good question. There's a song that uh, um, is under is probably the the newest one to the to the list, and um, there's a song called "Under Fire" that we've played out before at the Whiskey this year, earlier in the year. That one's probably going to get in there, and a song called "The Metal Beast Is Alive," which is um, a pretty new song, and that one is uh, definitely you know a strong contender. So we have other songs that we've been playing, and you know, as far as like an EP, you know, five or six songs, I mean, that's that's an easy decision. And who knows, we may throw something in there that people would love to hear but wouldn't expect from us. So you never know what might happen. So I don't want to give away the, the farm at this point, but I think uh, it's exciting to think about. And I think for the guys, I mean, they've talked about it and brought it up to me. So, you know, my ears are open. My mind is open. I'm definitely not a closed-minded thinker. So I want to do what makes sense and what, you know, is going to make sense because the members of the band, I mean, they're fans just like myself. I mean, we're fans of the music. You know, we want, we're excited to to hear bands that 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 are motivating to us. You know, I'm excited to hear bands that kick ass. You know, when I heard the new Accept, you know, of course I was skeptical of, you know, well Udo's not there, but yeah, you know, I'm very tra- I'm a real traditionalist when it comes to that, and I really love Udo with Accept. But I mean, I thought I thought their singer Mark, uh, you know, did a great job kick-ass job and you know i actually wasn't a huge fan of um tt quick before they recorded an album because i used to see them in the tri-state area and i just wasn't like enthralled with them but then you know i thought the tt quick album was real cool and then uh you know i I just didn't know what to expect with except but you know obviously that album is is phenomenal and it blows away and and seeing them live you know was really amazing too so i mean i i think there's always room to surprise people and take it to the next level, and, and that's a good example. I think uh, Symphony X, you know, I, I just when I thought they couldn't get any any better, you know, they came out with Paradise Lost. I mean, that was uh, yeah. quite a, a huge monster of an album. And, you know, some of their previous albums, I mean, the drum sounds were kind of, you know, you heard the paper tom sound going on. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so when, when they came out with that Paradise Lost, it's like, oh, well, this is what I was thinking, too. You know, they should have got a more killer recording sound you know the guitars were always killer with symphony x and then the vocals were always amazing songs were always epic and amazing but then to have that and you know i mean we're a thrash band but we also have melody we're not you know we're not just uh one dimensional you know i think we're multimodal in the fact that we can you know have musicality and have you know the best elements of of great music combined with thrash because i think and, and people people like to refer to that as power metal but you know i was there before there was all these subdivisions and Subgenres, right. 
You know, in fact, they they called uh, thrash metal after metal thrashing mad when, you know, Malcolm Doan and, and Xavier Russell from Kerrang! Magazine were talking about the Exciter album, Violence and Force. So back in 84, when they were reviewing that in Kerrang!, both the Fistful of Metal and Violence and Force albums. I mean, I just did an interview, so this, this question's in my mind. So, um, you know, that that's something that happened because Metal Thrashing Mad was a song, and they took that title and they started doing a play on words, and they said the thrash metal genre, right? So they first started talking about violence and force, and then they talked about Fistful of Metal, and that's kind of where they started really, you know, using that thrash metal term. So I think it's it's something that you do unconscious, unconsciously or not, you know, consciously to come up with, uh, you know, some, some kind of an idea that's original. It's just something that I try to do and not copy, be a copycat, you know, just put, because Metallica was cool, you know, I wasn't running to copy them. Yeah, they were cool at what they did, and so was Guns N' Roses. They were cool, but... You know, and a lot of bands did copy them and try to get that sound or try to get that image. But that's not the way I think, and nor will it ever be. I think it's maybe the way some people want to make money, but I think for us, you know, being an original band and really coming up with our own ideas, you know, I think that's really important. It really is. And like you said, you know, going back to the early days, you know, it was just heavy metal back then. Do you think when they started breaking it down, all these subcategories, it kind of splintered the scene and. You know, kind of make people think. What you know, what kind of music is this? What do you guys think? Well, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I just think they, the music started like evolutionizing, like to a certain extent. Like melodies started getting more complicated, and drumming-wise, it started getting more complicated. So I guess they try to divide, it, like you know each type of music. Well, not even each type of music, just music how it was... Uh, Different genres of it. Yeah. I think Peter has a really unique point on that because drumming did actually... Um, it did ramp up. I mean, there was great drummers back when. I mean, you can take it way back and, you know, go to Gene Krupa and, you know, yeah. Buddy Rich and, and, you know, there was great drummers back in Frank Sinatra's day, right? But, I yep. mean... There's great drummers back in the 70s. You know, I think about people like Les Binks, maybe a name that's not at the top of everyone's list. You know, of course, Tommy Aldridge and, you know, Neil Peart and other amazing drummers. I mean, Billy Cobham, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's always been these amazing drummers. But I think with, you know, some of the music style changes through the generations up until now, I mean, it's amplified. It's, it's you know, they've pushed the limits of how fast you can play drums. I think, you know, back in the 80s, you had that kind of scenario with guitar playing with the Yngwie Malmsteens and the yep. Paul, Paul yeah. Gilberts yep. of the world. I mean, you had, you had Alan Holsworth and you had, um, you know, Al Demiola and you had Jimi Hendrix and you had, you know, these amazing guitar players. And then in heavy metal, you know, of course, guys that just wanted to take that to the umpteenth limit, you know, and just shred till there's no end. But I think, you know, people like Gary Moore, you know, pushed it back to, to just being able to play one note, like B.B. King, you know, one note make, you know, make that one note count versus 1,000 notes in a phrase. Yeah, and that, and that all comes down to, like, the vibrato, and uh, Gary Moore is a great example. John Sykes is another one where it's just, like, you can listen to the, his vibrato, and uh, and you can tell it's, it's the player, and it's just, like, exactly what you said, Neil, it's just, like, one note, and, uh, you know, that one note just shivers down your spine as opposed to – and, you know, I mean, I'm guilty of myself for playing a million notes and all that stuff and trying to do the English <laughs> stuff. But, uh, 
the same time, you know, I, I love uh, I love the John Sykes and I love the Gary Moores of the world where it's just, you know, it's just, it's just maybe the one note that sits well with that chord and it really just says a whole lot. And, um, and yeah, and going back to like the whole subgenres and stuff like that, you know, I mean, even if we're just breaking down power metal, for example, you can have progressive power metal, progressive, um, you know, or you can have like prog- uh, progressive power metal, you can have like uh, just different, just different types of, power metal, I mean, it's, it's kind of stupid in a way, you know, it's all it's all the same, you know, when you kind of take everything off of it, and just putting all those genres on there, it's something that I'm not really a fan of, of doing, um, you know, I guess you can have, like, um, it, it, sometimes people get down real, just really nitty-gritty kind of stuff to it, of, oh, these guys are, they, these guys only, you know, certain song structures and stuff like that will make it so it's not this certain type of metal, in an example, and it's all just kind of, you know, it, it's just it's just putting too much far in the music it's just like just let the music do the talking you know exactly I, I was looking at some band a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month ago and i was like you know they give me the description of the music and it was like mathematical grind something i'm like what the hell is this <laughs> what the frick is mathematical i've never heard of this before i'm like this is really like you know starting to branch out you know into all these crazy directions now i don't know if any of oh, you guys think... ever heard of that but I don't know what the hell mathematical genres, metal is yeah exactly and it's a bunch of anal retentive labeling. That's what it is. It's like people, people that are that are neat freaks that want to put everything in a in a shelf, you know, in a, in a cubby. They want to like label everything, and that's what it becomes. It becomes, you know, kind of retarded. And the thing is, is that I can remember being back in France for the Breaking Breaking Sound Festival. They joked and called it the Breaking Wind Festival. I was there, you know, when Dio played in '84 and Gary Moore, and you know, was there with Carl Kennedy and um, hanging out with the guys of Metallica and Venom over there in France, and, um, you know, what I remember is you had the punks, you know, back in, in 84, and you had the heavy metal kids, and if you're a, a punk or if you're a heavy metal kid, there is a distinct difference, and those punks, man, they wanted to kick your fucking ass. They yep. wanted to beat on your face, and, and, and it was about the lifestyle. It wasn't just the music, and, you know, if you go back and take it a, a step further back to the 60s, you know, you had the mods and rockers, you know, I mean, there's a difference. There's a difference between those two lifestyles, and it was very personal, and it was music, but it was also a lifestyle. So I think what we've had happen is these things have kind of blended together because this stuff has melded together. They've, they've basically bastardized music as a whole. They've, they've bastardized he- heavy metal because, you know, unfortunately, they've, they've injected it with some poison, which is, you know, crap music and, and crap singing. You know, and and that and crap is really you know gargling. I think it's just people that are too lazy to to utter a word. It's like if a, <laughs> it's like right. if a it's like if a baby never stopped you know talk, doing baby talk instead of actually forming words. To me, that's yeah. what um, that's what like death metal vocals is. And I'm sorry if people don't like that, and and they love their death metal music. But I love death metal music. On you know, if you took if you eliminated the vocals, you know, you have a brilliant band like Amon Amarth. Imagine what they would sound like if you had Rob Halford singing for them. I mean that is one killer band, and to me, you know, having someone make this gargly sound, you know, thinking that, that it's all mean sounding and like satanic or something. I mean, actually, if it, if you really want to, you know, pare that down, you know, drill it down and say, well, is that really what what an evil sound would sound like? I would think that, you know, if you're dealing with something that has to do with the devil, um, then you'd be dealing with something that is very um, aware, very knowing, and very present of mind. So therefore, would it just be making some silly 
sound at an amusement park, like some growling cookie monster on Sesame Street, or would it actually be making a sound that duplicates a wolf in sheep's clothing and would sound like a sweet sound, like something that would be melodic? You know, we're talking about, you know, a fallen angel, right? We're talking about something that is very super aware and super intelligent. It's not stupid. So I think don't underestimate, you know, forces, dark forces like that. And in music, I think the general public has just accepted, you know, something as as acceptable as as just generally acceptable. You know, it's like people people wearing a certain thing in public. You know, it's now acceptable. You know, and I think that's what's happened with with rap music vocals, and I think that's what happened with death metal vocals. I mean, kids today they stop caring about someone that could sing, and then there's you know a generation of people who are tied to the TV, and they watch that, that garbage that they pump down people's throats on TV, and that's what they perceive as to be the, you know, the, the, the standard for, for great vocals. And, you know, if everyone goes home and listens to Stevie Wonder CDs and copies, you know, Mariah Carey and Christina Aguilera licks, and then, you know, basically, you know, showboating is what it is. It's, it's basically vocal showboating, you know, trying to do a guitar solo through every part of the song. Right, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I'm another thing I'm guilty of. But, um, no, you're not, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny because Jake, Jake put out an instrumental EP this year. I mean, he's you know, does awesome music, uh, you know, aside from Death Riders. And, you know, I mean, even on an instrumental album, you're not going to solo through the whole song necessarily. Oh, I mean, no, parts... absolutely. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the thing. I mean, you, you put a good point about um, one of those singers, um, I'm not going to mention who, but... Um, I remember I uh, was was overhearing some people talk, and they were saying that I guess she did something, some national anthem or something like that, and she was really going over the top with, uh, I guess her vocal uh, vocal chops, and it just sounded horrible. And that's the same thing with guitar music. I mean, you really, if you know, there's a solo out there that has, a, you know, a million notes and it's all the arpeggios and all the fancy stuff going on. Um, you know, it really doesn't say anything when it comes down to. Um, sometimes it's like really building up to those exact moments of, you know, that great arpeggio section and players like that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge shrapnel fan of the Jason Becker and all those guys. And um, I think they did it really well. You know, I think that they had songs that weren't just all noodly and I'm sure some people are probably going to be like, you know, that's all noodly and stuff like that. But in my opinion, you know, I think those guys are really well at being tasteful. And I think that's really what the word is, you know, being tasteful and, and, and your soloing and stuff like that. And, I, and that goes with everything, you know, drums and if you have blast beats going all the time, you know, it's old after a while. It's true. You have to know where to draw the line. You know, you have to, it's got to be a, a mix of everything. And I know exactly what you're saying. And, uh, and Neil, before you were talking about Alan Holdsworth, didn't you record a record with Kurt James years ago and Alan produced it? Yeah, actually we did a, a record uh, at Paramount Studios. We were recording it and, you know, we went in there with Alan Holdsworth producing and Alan's just a great guy to work with, uh, you know, really humble and, and real good people, you know, just really nice, regular person to work with, you know, once you get past all the, you know, <laughs> you know, who's who kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, really cool. And I actually saw Alan not too long ago. We were at the, actually an Ingve show at the Galaxy because um, my friend Patrick Johansson plays drums with Ingve's band. And, you know, so I was there hanging out, having dinner with Patrick, and then I you know, brought him to the gig, and then, you know, after the show, I happened to, you know, I saw Alan at the show, and he was trying to get back there just because he knows Ingve, so we were just trying to bring him back there, and 
then Kurt James, you know, was just dying to get back there to talk to Ingvae. So I didn't even go backstage, but I got those guys to, to get back there and hook them up. But yeah, Alan, it was, and I hadn't seen Alan for, for quite some time, maybe at one of the NAMs over the years. But back in the, the 80s, I think it was like 88 time frame with Alan Holsworth and Kurt James, we were recording a you know, an album and it never, it just got shelved because the label, the label, which was based in Japan, I guess they were tied to Aaronin guitars or something like that. And that was a, a, a endorsement that Kurt had for guitar playing. And, um, you know, they just, they had their own idea about what they wanted. And, you know, I was working with Kurt. It was real great material. I thought for, for what it was at the time. And, you know, we had Alan doing it and, you know, they basically derailed the, the train from, from moving forward so once they did that and i was out of the picture i mean it just kind of fell apart from there and unfortunately so but that's just the way it goes so you know kurt wanted to to try to resurrect that with me on that and you know it, it just doesn't make sense to put out something that's subpar you know you want to have something that's going to be hitting hard so sure you know the time had passed you know it's just that way it's kind of like trying to put out a show that you were filming and all of a sudden it's you know the times have changed you know, it's not relevant, really, that material. I know, much. I can imagine. Yeah, you know what, Neil, I have, uh, Alex has been waiting on the line for a long time patiently. I was so, going to ask uh, you, where is Alex Alvarez, man? I know I'm you, gonna, I know you I'm going to put him on me. now because he's been, he's been a good boy just sitting there waiting. Hey, Alex, you there? I guess he gave up. Oh, no. Maybe he'll call back in. That's too bad. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> and I think, I didn't know, you, you, you tried out for Riot back in the day? Yeah, that was an interesting experience, actually, because Riot was always a band that I loved, you know, obviously being from New York and being one of my favorite all-time bands. Um, you know, what happened with uh, Riot, actually, is, you know, I was friends with Rhett Forrester, and, you know, that was really a, a fun <laughs> a fun relationship. You know, the guy was just crazy, I mean, crazy in a fun way, and, and in a dangerous way at times, but he, he was um, quite a remarkable person, great, great front man, great singer. And um, anyway, of all things, I never thought I'd be having the the opportunity to, you know, go audition for Riot. It was pretty much doing it in the in the studio there on uh, in the village. So when I was there uh, doing that, it was after it was still like right at the beginning of 1985. It was real cold out. I remember freezing cold in New York, and I was down there at Green Street Studios. I met with um, their their engineer producer Rod Wee H U I, and also. Uh, the, their manager at the time and um well actually I talked with the manager but I met with Rod and um you know I sang Restless Breed in the studio of all songs you know they had me on this real soulful bluesy kind of vocal which really at that point in time it was not my strong point you know my my singing style was more in the you know fire down under realm yeah. so Guy Speranza vocal type of approach so you know trying to do rep which is really more of a Paul Rogers soulful kind of approach vocally, you know, it just wasn't within my realm at that point. So, you know, I just hadn't, you know, I was 21 years old. I just didn't have that in my repertoire at that point. So, you know, I went in there and I just didn't knock it out of the park on that song. Now, if I would have sang something from fire down under, you know, game over, you know, I would have just put the pedal to the metal on that. Cause I mean, I, I grew up with those songs. I knew I'm like the Bible, but you know, it's just the way it went, and um, unfortunately, it just didn't work out my way. But, you know, I think Riot's had a lot of great singers, of course. You know, I like all of them. I like Mike DeMeo a lot on Through the Storm. I like, uh, yeah. you know, Rhett Forrester, of course, Tony Moore, um, you know, 
on Thundersteel. I mean, I was talking with the guys in Riot, with Donnie, the bass player, and with, um, you know, Dave McLean at the time. And, you know, actually Dave joined my band, Turban, at the time, you know, when he left Narita. I guess they weren't officially called Riot at the time. But they, uh, you know, they he moved from... Um, from San Antonio to, to move down to Los Angeles to play with me. And I guess that was a whole fiasco because he thought he was going to just, you know, move in with me. And, you know, I had moved out to L.A. To, to be on my own. And, you know, it was just we were trying to put a band together, but at the same time, you know, I, I wasn't looking to have roommates and that sort of thing. So it was kind of a odd circumstance. And then trying to put the band together, um, you know, the difference is, is with Death Riders, you know, we have guys that, are part of the band, and, you know, it's not like we're trying to have a contest to see who can override the other one, and, oh, hey, my idea and your idea, and, you know, it's like, I think having an open mind to letting the best ideas prevail, and, and you know, if someone has a great idea, then by all means, it's going to show itself, you know, but it's not just about putting your name on something just to say, well, I have to put my idea in here, because, you know, if my name's not on there, then, then I can't get paid millions of dollars, you know, I mean, I think there's that mentality with rock and rollers in the 80s a lot and definitely the way it was uh in other bands that i was in you know people wanted to put their name on songs that i wrote that they had nothing to do with and just to get it on there so they could get paid and so their ego could be you know stroked a little bit yeah for, foremost and put forth before other people and you know i think with with this band i guess we could talk about ego and you know that's a great subject because you know let's talk about the things no one wants to talk about i'm ready <laughs> I know. I can imagine it. You know, Neil, I only got a few minutes left. So why don't you just tell everybody what you got planned for this year, maybe coming up next year. What's next for Death Riders? Well, we want to put out, uh, you know, a, a CD release. I think that's something that's really important for us to do. It's it's long overdue, and I think, you know, we're ready to, to make that happen. And I think that we're going to continue to play, you know, the show opportunities that we have. I mean, I think right now it probably doesn't make sense to go on a full-blown tour without a product so we want to take show opportunities that you know come up and you know there's been a few that have come up i mean we just did the house of blues a few weeks ago and that was uh you know sold out show with you know about 300 kids outside that couldn't get in so um that was really an exciting show and i think that was a great first show for you know the guys on the line now i mean geo played one show with us before that but i mean the other guys both Jake and, and Peter have, um, you know, played that as a first show with Death Riders. So we want to get more under our belt, and I think, uh, you know, just uh, get this release recorded and done with and out there. And, you know, I mean, it's just a new a new perspective for the band, a new a fresh a new fresh outlook, and 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 just revitalization of of you know energy, and and it's exciting to to be part of. I mean, I'll let the other guys talk about that. Oh no, yeah, it's it's great, man. It's great being part of uh part of Death Riders and uh yeah, the future looks really good for um you know, ever, just for all the all the shows and stuff. And there's still people out there, you know, that wanna hear melody and, and metal and wanna hear the classic tunes and um and, and then there's people out there, you know, even at the you know, you, you listen it sometimes it's fun, you got to go see shows and you hear the classics and then some people whenever it comes to like a new tune you always wanna like that's to kinda of take a bathroom break and stuff like that, but it's it's not that way with, with Death Riders. It's um, people out there are great. Um, I'm sure there's, there's some on YouTube and stuff you can check out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be like a, it's gonna be a great year for it uh, and great year coming and stuff like that. And we're 
seems like we're already at the end of the year right now. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, to the more shows and gigs that are coming up with them. I'm excited, too, and I hope you guys can make it here to New York one day, Neil. You come back home, uh, we'll go out for a beer, and we'll have a good time. You got that for sure. And, um, you know, we were supposed to play out there, and, you know, one of the promoters that were putting us on a, a festival, you know, it basically, you know, I think pretty much loused up that festival. A lot of the great bands that were on the bill, you know, fell out, and, uh, you know, we were one of them. So along with Vicious Rumors and Sebastian Bach and Death Riders and, you know, some of the other old school bands that were going to play on that bill. I mean, they fell out and then it just became like a new metal festival. And that was a chance for us to play in New York. But, you know, it's a matter of getting on the road and either you drive out there, you know, and I'm not talking about in a luxury, luxury yeah. liner, you know, it's like <laughs> it's, know. you do it the hard way or, or you get flown out there and, you know, airfares for the band. So, you know, with a festival, that's a, a logistical possibility with uh, obviously driving it would have to be a full-blown tour and you know you need to have attendance at the shows to to facilitate that i mean that's just the obvious thing for any band you know so the band has to be popular enough that they're putting asses in seats you know they got people coming to the shows. so i mean we want to play new york we want to play there at the right opportunity whether it's new york or the tri-state area or the general you know east coast area I mean, we're ready to do it. It's just a matter of making smart business happen and good business decisions about the opportunities. And, you know, if those opportunities don't arise, then we go to other places. I mean, you know, the East Coast is one location. I mean, there's Europe, there's Japan. We've played in those places. You know, we've played in Europe four times. We've played in Japan. We've played uh, Mexico three times. So, you know, we go where we're, where we're wanted, you know. When when they tell us, you know, they're going to – they want us to play there, well, we'll say, okay, well, you know – how are you going to get us there? <laughs> that's it. That's that's the how nature of the piece. Yeah, how well, do we get there? I know. Well, I hope you guys do make it to New York. If not, I will be out in California in January. Hopefully I can catch you guys then. Oh, definitely, man. You definitely got to look me up, and we definitely got to have that beer. And first beer on me for sure. I'll be at the NAMM show big in January. So Mike the Big Cheese, man. Hey, you know, I wish I had more time to keep you on because you guys could stay. I could do a 10-hour show with you guys. Well, thanks a lot, man. It's it's a pleasure yeah, to be here, Mike. and uh, and it's great to have the band. You know, I mean, of course, Mike Guerrero. We love to have him on on the show. We did invite him. He's just busy today, but um, you know, we look forward to to coming out there when we can. You know, when the opportunity arises, and if you're coming out to California, man, then we definitely got to connect in January, and maybe we could do a show on site in person. Hey, I would love that. I appreciate it, Neil. Thank you very much, Geo, Pete, Jake. Thank you, guys. The best of luck with the new lineup. I can't wait to hear some new music and to get that EP soon. Thank you guys well, thank for calling you. in. I appreciate and, it. And don't forget to uh, go check out Death Riders. Uh, type in Death Riders on YouTube, H-O-B. You can type in my name. You can type in the date, 8-23-11. And Hollywood Sheriff presents Death Riders at H-O-B, 8-23-11. And that will show you the video that we just did. You know, It was all our live performance. And it was actually a tribute to Ronnie James Dio as well so there's a little surprise there so you might want to check that out and also i wanted to promote our our website which is deathriders.net that's our main website and also our press kit page which is deathriders.org and uh, of course you know we have or we're in the process of setting up the links to the members of the band that you know have their their sites and you know their cds for sale and you know what they're up to and lessons as well so you know that's off of our our deathriders.org site and deathriders.net 
but I just wanted to, to mention that. And just to the people that are still listening also, that we have a, a Facebook group and some Facebook pages for Death Riders. So please, you know, join us there and hit us up because uh, we love to have interaction with, you know, with the fans and with people that, you know, want to communicate with the band, with myself, and, you know, just to keep you up to date with what's going on. I mean, we really do get involved. And, I mean, Giovanni, man, that could, he, he's just a madman. He's out there, um, you know, talking to people, you know. So we love to communicate with our, our fans and with, with other bands and, you know, be part of... Uh, you know the metal world and and you know we're not too proud to you know be fans of other bands and to you know do what it takes to to you know to to keep the scene alive to keep metal alive in LA because the metal beast is alive that's right the metal oh. beast is alive neil thank you very much man i really do appreciate it thanks so much take care i'll talk yeah, to you real soon best of luck you too bro take care guys take care bye Uh, it seems like we have a little technical difficulties here. I'm losing uh, the switchboard. Uh, I'm sorry if you hear some dead air for a little bit. I'm going to try to reboot real quick and get this going again. I don't know what happened. I apologize. So, guys, just hang on. Thank you.
All right, if anybody's listening out there, uh, I apologize. Uh, we lost the connection somehere along the line. The switchboard went down right after I disconnected uh, Neil and the guys from Death Riders. I think I got it up and running again. If you can hear me, I did. I'm not too sure. Just give me a few minutes to let everything reboot. I know Blaine Gilbert from November was supposed to call in about 10 minutes ago. I just sent him a message. Uh, hopefully he got it, and he'll call back in a few because I don't have his number written down. Uh, if not, we'll get we'll get a uh, we'll get Blaine on again in the, in the near future. But let me see if I can just get the switchboard up and running right now. Uh, at least we get some music on for the next 10 or 15 minutes. And after the live show is over, I'll go back in and I'll edit all this dead air out and make it sound listenable. I hope the whole Neil Turbin interview went through now with Death Riders because I really wasn't paying attention to what was going on in the switchboard because we were talking. So hopefully everything is working fine. I should have realized that when I tried to connect Alex. And uh, he didn't answer. He probably got disconnected in the process also. So I do apologize, but I'm getting it up and running again right now. Give me two seconds to uh, get back on here. All right. I think I got Blaine on the line. Hey, Blaine, you there? Yes, sir. How you doing, buddy? Girl, I'm so sorry, man. I I have so many guys from Death Riders on that I started disconnecting them, and I just lost the whole switchboard. I think I overloaded Oh, it's all seconds, good. Man. It's all good, brother. I was listening in, enjoying it. All right, well, at least it went out. That's good to know. So how's everything going, man? It's been a long time since we talked. Yes, it has, man. And uh, I think the last time we talked, I was dodging a hurricane. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, we had it <laughs> over here, but we, we kind of got away with it. We weren't too bad. Y'all did okay? Because I know I've seen at one point in time they had Staten Island as uh, ready to be evacuated. So. Yeah, there's like one little neighborhood out there with a pond. The pond overflowed, and they all complained about it, you know. Yeah. We got money out here. Everything's like a catastrophe <laughs> to them, you know. I sent him some pictures of my 100-year-old barn on the ground so they won't feel so bad. <laughs> I know. They make a big thing out of everything here in the city. You know, you get a little bit of rain, it's a hurricane. Well, you know, it's perfect up there, man. So when it ain't perfect, they get a little nervous, you know. I know, I know. What are you going to do? So what's been going on in the world of November since the last time we spoke? Well, man, we signed a record deal, signed in uh, December with a Centiflex Media Group. Shot a video for the song Time. I believe I sent it to you. Um, got some magazines lined up, got some really cool big name people hopefully going to work with us, and um, about a song and a half away from finishing the new record. That sounds good, man. You got a lot going on over there. Oh, yeah. That's not bad at all. So how's the scene been going out there in Florida? Keeping you busy? It's a little better, man. Believe it or not, you know, it, you would think with the economy that, uh, you know, it would slow down, and honestly... You know, people need entertainment when times are hard, and uh, there's really starting to be a lot of good live venues here. And I mean, downstate, you know, I believe we talked about that the last time, because we went out there and played that record label showcase in Tampa, and downstate's like a whole nother world. Like, I went and saw Mr. Big in Orlando the other night, but they don't play in Jacksonville, you know what I mean? Yeah, you got to travel, yeah, I know. It was amazing, too. It was good to see them back together. Uh, yeah, Billy Sheen, he's amazing, that guy. Every time I see him, he just blows me away. And the nicest man you'll ever meet. Yeah. He runs back and goes, man, y'all want a pick? Because he's got, you know, a solo. He don't use picks, but he's got them. He runs back and grabs us a pick and brings it to us. And I'm, like, looking at everybody going, you do realize who that is, right? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, to be the lord of the base, you know, and be that humble and real of a man, that's just almost unheard of. Yeah, he's incredible, man. I remember I, he was in a band called Talos back in the 80s. 
Yes, he was. Long before Mr. Big. And I remember seeing them opening up for Quiet Riot in like 82 at a club where I, li- you know, where I lived in Brooklyn. And it was the first year I ever saw him. And I got on stage. I'm watching him play. I'm like, is that guy playing a bass? I mean, you just couldn't believe it. You've never heard sounds like, you know, come out of a bass like that. And oh, yeah. metal. I was like, holy Here's God. one for you. They come out on an encore. Guitar player Paul Gilbert's playing drums. Billy Sheehan's singing. The singer's playing guitar. And the drummer's playing bass, and they play Smoke on the Water. Oh, nice. That must have been the, great. Well, then, and when it comes to the lead solo part, Billy and uh, Eric Martin switch out, and Billy played the lead guitar solo on it. Nice, huh? And then the drummer came up and sang the rest of it. That's a good mix over there. You got everybody doing something. Oh, that was amazing, man. It just goes to show you the, the caliber of people, and they were pretty amazed that there was the kind of crowd that was at the House of Blues, and... I mean, the people were singing the new songs, old songs, everything. But enough about Mr. Big. <laughs> That's right. November. Right now, you're Mr. Big. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Billy, where's my check, baby? They <laughs> <laughs> give you a little royalty over there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, you know, it helps everybody when the same type of music we're all doing. So we support each other. We all we all come out in the head, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, like you were saying, let's get back to November because I lost you for like 10 minutes there, so we don't have a lot of time. So I want to get everything in and get the band promoted as much as possible. So how's everything going with the new songs? I mean, I heard what you sent me compared to the old stuff. Sounds like you guys just turned it up a notch. Yeah, we did. We got a new singer, new bass player. Matter of fact, I believe when I talked to you last, we had just got the new singer. And we got our second guitarist back, who he and I are the chief songwriters. But uh, in this band now, you got four strong songwriters, and Michael also plays keyboards, as you may have noticed. Yeah. And uh, there's just a whole new world and a whole new avenue, and the possibilities are just limitless. I mean, it's amazing. And we're actually going to revisit the title track from our last album, because uh, I may have told you about we're writing a graphic novel based on the band, and the novel is going to be called Blood Money, so Mike sings it so well. We're re-recording Blood Money as we speak, and I finished, not the lyrics yet, I got a verse, but I finished the arrangement we did to a song called Running, and we're going to do a cover song, and at the moment, I'm going to go ahead and leak it out, I think we're going to do Children of the Sea by Dio and Sabbath, or Heaven and Hell, whatever you want to call them. Nice, yeah, yeah, well, it still is Black Sabbath to me, I mean, you know, it's Heaven and Hell for a little while, oh, yeah. but that, that'll be classic, I like to hear that too. Oh, man, it should be. Michael, as you can hear, is an amazing vocalist. And uh, we got four guns in this band. We always have. I mean, it's, you know that. It's always been a real strong band. You know, we had the record deal with England and Warner Brothers and yada yada back in the day. And then the last album we pretty much did on our own, and it actually succeeded really well considering it came out in 08 when the shit hit the fan. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah. But um, this new band's just, and uh, the opportunities are crazy. The ballad uh, made like top five in Coast FM in Japan, Tokyo, Japan, which is their like their number one rock station. Um, it's crazy, man. It's really starting to catch on, and people are finally ready to rock and roll again. Yeah, that's finally. a good thing, man. You know, Japan's Thank God got for such a vibrant scene. Oh yeah, and it's like, well, you know, man, everything it comes around goes around, you know. And there's a whole new generation of kids, man. Like we were down there the other night, and this. There's kids 14, 15 years old, and they got maiden shirts, Dio, Priest, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's like, wait a minute, is this 85 again? You know, and I mean, it was just, 
<laughs> you know, it's another world, man. You know, and you got this whole new generation coming up, and they're going up on the internet, and they got Guitar Hero and Rock Band, and yeah. I mean, if you're gonna play Guitar Hero, what bands are you playing? You know, Limp Biscuit. No, they can't play guitar. That's right. <laughs> you got ACDC and Van Halen and all them coming out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, but you're 100% right about that. And it's true because, like, you know, you look back, so like when we were younger, you know, you always grew up listening to what your parents play in the house. You know, like that kind of music because, you know, it's their house and you're kind of stuck to listening to it. But I know as a kid, I wasn't running around with no Dion shirts on and the, no. and the platters. <laughs> but yet these yeah. kids today are proud. Like to say, like they're into the classic, you know, hard rock that we, you know, grew up with in the seventies and eighties. You know, it's it's amazing. Well, one thing I'll say, I would, and you you understand where I'm coming from with this. When we were growing up, there was what was known as the generation gap. Remember that? Yep, I sure do. There really isn't no generation gap anymore. I mean, nowadays, kids are friends with their parents. You know what I mean? Like at that show, and I mean, you know, I'm a stagehand, union stagehand on the side. You get a maiden or a priest or somebody come in, and it's almost like the way blues has become, because it's been around so long, that it's from 18 to 80, or 20, or 12 to 80. I mean, it's amazing. Like, if you've seen the Iron Maiden Flight 666 DVD, and they talked to Bruce Dickinson, and he said, our fan base is getting younger. And uh, nowadays, with Google Analytics, and we're on a lot of radio stations, and we're on, like, the Django's and the uh, Pandora's and Last FM, well, they have stats for you so you know what's getting heard and what ain't and how old people are and this and that and uh i'd say over half of our fans are under 18 that's amazing yeah well that's a good thing because you know the old folks like us it's like we're doing much of anything anymore the young kids you know they'll be with you for a long time that you know well man really we still go rock and roll man you can't tell me you don't go rock and roll at a show i still go because i you know it's in my blood i love it i you know i can't believe it but i don't miss anything the beauty of of being a metal fan is it's for life dude it ain't just like wow this is cool i'm 15 okay now my wife's pregnant and i gotta go to work it's a lifestyle it's like being a biker almost, and a lot of metal fans are bikers. That's you right. know, they these guys ride Harleys, they look their way, and that's how they are. Metal fans are the same way. They got their venom, they got their leather, they're flying their maiden flag or whatever, whoever they're into at the moment, and they're proud of it, and they'll be that way till their teeth fall out and their hair falls out. You got that right. That's the truth, you know. You you get a kid to, like a few years ago that was uh, a Britney Spears fan, whatever. Ten years from now, they won't be playing Britney Spears no more. But a Priest fan is going to be playing Priest till the day they die. And oh, yeah. It's so true, like what you said. You know, metalheads and, and people with the rock, they live for it and they stand by it forever. It's a lifestyle. It's a way of life for us. It's the soundtrack of your life. You're going to turn that off? I'm not. not <laughs> I'm going to turn it up. Not me. You know, I, oh, I'm excited man. that you guys got something new coming out real soon. On the, on, on the other stuff, didn't you work with Alex uh, Perel or some, some of that stuff? Uh, we worked with uh, Bo Hill, actually. And a matter oh, of fact, he right. called sorry. me the other day. He called me the other day. So I guess we're doing something right again. We've, uh, it's starting to get probably bigger than it ever was, man. Like Another thing, I don't know if you've heard of this new uh, promotion site called Headliner FM. We're at 970-something thousand people we've reached through there. Wow, that's amazing. Amazing, and that's not counting the thousand sites we're on, and our dot coms pushing two million hits. It's incredible with the internet how you could, like you were saying before, you could track your listeners where they're coming from, 
it must make it easier as a fan because instead of taking a shot in the dark like you did years ago about you know what's going on, you could kind of direct you know your music or you know wherever your fan base is a lot easier that way. You could reach them you know if you had a stronger following in Japan or here you know it must be must make it a lot easier for bands today to reach out to the fans and uh, something you need their way than it, than it used to be. Oh, completely. Well, as you probably know that. We got signed off the internet in '97, and our first album came out in '98. So we're you know, we're young kids. So I've watched the evolution of the internet and music, and I told everybody then, and I still say it that this is it. This is the way. You know, everybody said that there'd never be the end of vinyl, and there was, and there'd never be the end of CDs. Well, they're almost over. You got to be ready for what's coming, and it's we were there in the beginning. I've watched it. And I've watched it move along, and it's you know we, we were one of the first bands to get signed, and now it's unbelievable. I mean, you really don't need a label. The only thing they can do is which what these guys are doing is they go give us the money to get out of town, to be able to afford to eat and go play that show. But other than that, man, I'm reaching people, and it's just it blows my mind. I never cease to be amazed, and we've been doing this for since '96. It's a long time, man. It's 15 years for you guys now. Yeah, and I've been through on our third singer. Uh, actually, if you want to count, it is for fifth guitarist, but this guitarist has been here twice. This is the second time. Um, and we're on our fourth bassist, fourth bassist. But guess who's been there all along? It's Me. always been you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're on like we're on some the videos on some sites with the Iron Maiden. And a matter of fact, hold on, I'm thinking about it. We're in full rotation in New York City. I don't know if you know about Cablevision. We're on the Cablevision Network. There's a show there called Homegrown Music TV. They just put us in full rotation up there. And it comes on Wednesday nights at 1 a.m. And then it comes on again Saturday night on Channel 20, I believe it is, at 10 p.m. And they also were working with them called Live Music Media. They've got us on a bunch of FM stations, you know, in Detroit and yada, yada, yada. And all that come from Click. Hey, what's up? Check out my band. Hey, can you help us out? Oh, you can. Next thing you know, guess what? Our videos in rotation in New York City. Top that. That's great, man. You know, we don't got in New York. Every like every different like uh, borough or neighborhood has like a different cable provider. So we don't got cable vision right here. We have Time Warner cable. Mm-hmm. That's like out in Long Island and uh, in parts of Queens. So next time I go to visit family out there, I'm gonna have to go check that out. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, think about it. How big is a city? That every borough has its own cable company. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, how many people's in New York? 20 million? 30 million? Jesus. Yeah, there's like 8 million in the city part. You know, 8 million of us over here. So. Well, you could take, say, Brooklyn or whatever borough. There's probably more people in that borough than most any other town in America, except maybe Chicago, you know, L.A., those kind of towns. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Brooklyn. that's amazing. She said as many as 3 million people can be seeing it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's got all of Long Island, which is you know, tremendous, and parts of the Queens area, so it's definitely, but I have to go over that way and check it out. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, let me know that they're not lying to me, and it really is. Uh, I'll hold it, you know, man. <laughs> now, Blaine, I only have seven minutes left in the live show, but I want to get on a song before the live show ends, and we can keep talking after that, and it'll all get cool. put out in the podcast, but let me get one song on so people that are listening live still who didn't lose interest after I lost the connection there for a little bit, uh, get a song for them to hear, and then we'll keep talking. Okay, uh, you got one cute, or should I pick one for you? I got I got all of them I got all of them uh, lined up, but I'm gonna play the two that were on there before I lost the connection because I'm afraid mm-hmm. if I hit the other ones, 
I'm gonna lose you again. <laughs> I understand, my so friend. So let me see what I have. I have uh, I have under your spell. I know will work Excellent. and living for the moment. The other two, I won't chance tonight, but I'll get them on next week. That's fine. And now, like like I said, there's gonna be 11 songs on the album, so I will be sending you more. And I'm starting to send you the um, instrumental we just finished, dude. It's amazing. I'm oh, serious. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. Can you picture Rush meets Black Sabbath? Yeah, I sure could. That's what it is. I mean, everybody, I tell them it's Rush meets Sabbath. The minute they hear it, they're like, dude, you nailed it. You nailed that it. sounds good, man. Well, how about yeah, the one that you spell? You want to hear that? Yeah, that's the brand new one. And uh, right, hopefully that's going to get a video. Relax for a couple of minutes. i get that on. Awesome. Thank you, brother.
that's some good shit, man. <laughs> Does that rock? Shit, I'm even oh, jamming man. on it. <laughs> I, mean, I played it when you sent it to me, but, you know, it's always nice when you hear it again. And that's some good stuff, man. That brings me back to the old days. I love it. Yes, sir. But guess what? It's the new days now, brother. It is, but at least you're keeping that great sound alive, man. Yeah, because, I mean, somebody's got to do it. But believe it or not, man, overseas, it's huge, man. It ain't went away. Them people, MTV, don't tell them how to dress and act and think. You know what I mean? I know. I know. And they pass it down, man. Like, you go to those I, I talk to people on the show all the time and ask them about, you know, like, going over to Europe and they play there. And, like, you know, we go out there and... You know, the fathers are out there in the 40s. They got their 20-year-old sons with them and their 10-year-old sons with them. And they just, like, it's like they just pass it down. It's like a tradition. Yes. It's like you said, the generation gap is gone. Oh, yeah. And you know know what you can thank to that? Heavy metal. How cool is that shit? Oh, yeah, metal sucks. Oh, metal's dead. No, metal bridged the generation gap, asswipe. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, you know, England and overseas, especially England. Where was Jimi Hendrix at when he got signed? England. Right there. Who did it take them? I mean, okay, Eric Clapton, who was his heroes? Muddy Waters, you know, uh, Robert Johnson. Where were they from? America? Oh, but it took them to teach us? You know, the new wave of British heavy metal. Where did that come from? Wait a minute. Key word, new wave of British heavy metal. Yep. Who's got a clue, man? You know, yeah, I know, but I mean, there's a lot of rock fans in America. We just kind of have to stick to ourselves and do it on our own, whereas they can turn on TV and the radio and hear it. It's true. You know what? How many how many different genres of music have come and gone over the years? They they had a little popularity. Some of them come back a little bit. Some never come back at all. But rock, it's never gone anywhere. It's evolved into different you know stylings and sounds, but it's never gone anywhere. It's been here since the day it started. Just it's in, you know, more than evolved. More than yeah. evolved, you know what I mean? Yep. And now it's coming back around, and there's room for all types of rock and metal. You want to hear some rap, rock, metal, whatever? Break it out, brother. You want to hear thrash? Let's hear it. You want to hear some death metal, some gloom, some sludge? You want glam? I don't care. As long as there's a wall of marshals or Mesa boogies back there, crank that shit up. I want to hear it. <laughs> That's it, man. That's the way it's got to be. It's got to be. That's what it is. Up. That's why we are who we are. Just like Under the Spell, man, some good shit there. That, that reminds me of Rainbow and all those classic rock bands, man. And it's just like I hear that, and I know there's like a future for us still, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, those are like you just nailed our hardcore influences, Deep Purple, Rainbow, Sabbath, Zeppelin, Ozzy, UFO, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, all the classics, the people that made it what it is and the reason why it has stood the test of time, and it has stood the assault of whatever moron PMRC or whatever so-called suit decides it ain't cool today and he's going to use it for his soapbox so he can get elected. It's still here and you ain't. (laughs) You got that right. You know that PMRC shit was such a joke back then. It got us all riled up in the day, but all it did was bring more attention to our music. That's all it did. It sold more records. Oh, my God, it was the greatest thing they could have done. It was the best thing they could have done. You ever heard of the mentors before that? No, but you have now. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Bend up and smell my anal vapors. Thanks, Tipper. I know, man. I would put you could have ran for president back then. Yeah, they should have just scooped into the toilet and brought a turd out and said, we're against turds. (laughs) I mean, they just poured gas on the fire. How stupid. I said that when it was happening. I'm like, you're idiots. And then you got Dee Snyder and Zappa and John Denver of all people going in. 
smacking their ass down. When they, when it, you, you watch that. They'll show it from time to time when they show the priest biography. Because, you know, priests went to court over all that crap. They showed him, and it's like Steve Snyder and Zapp and them got up, and they were like, typical, oh, no, Al Gore. They were like, uh, 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 bunch of morons. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's our government. <laughs> oh, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, man. But uh, it don't matter. You can't kill metal. That's right. It'll never happen. So what do you guys got planned for the future? I mean, what's coming up? Uh, anything going on this year? Or oh, yeah. Hopefully on finishing. We fully intend. Uh, a lot of things have happened. We actually had hoped to finish the record in January, but death in the family. Jonathan had a baby boy and pneumonia and yada, yada. Anyway, we're almost there. We was working on it last night or yesterday, and then we're going to be back tomorrow. And we plan on releasing it on 11 11 11 Oh, nice. I like that. Nice. You know, it kind of fits, don't you think? <laughs> Without a doubt, man. You, you can't beat those. It's an easy number to remember. And you can't let it slide because it ain't like it's going to be like that again next year. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, you actually have 12, 12, 12. Well, yeah, but we're from November, and that's the 11th month. I know, I know. I know, <laughs> it's perfect, I know I you know. do. I know. We always have a blast, man. That is gonna I be love great. calling you guys. We always have a blast. Definitely. I wish we had more time, uh, Blaine, because of the problems I had. We ran up a little short, but how about you come back in November when the album comes out? We could chew her ear off the whole show. I would be honored. Maybe I can even bring some of the other guys. They make yeah, a lot of noise on stage. Maybe like a little record release party over here. Yeah, that would be amazing if I can get them. They, uh, they make a lot of noise on stage, but none of the three of them is real talkative. And I was like, well, that's okay because I never shut up, so I got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bring them on anyway. we got to hope they're still in the band by November. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, they will be. I ain't oh, playing everyone Richie Blackmore. Because <laughs> I heard that you were, like, the biggest employer in, in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only guy with positive job <laughs> growth. You got the unemployment rate over there. <laughs> well, there's no unemployment rate on this side of Jacksonville. <laughs> That's good to know. Yes, yeah, so, hey, you know, I got to try to help whoever which way I can, you know. If I can use some metal to employ a few people, I think I will. Uh, that's a good job to have, man. That's a good job to have. Yes, sir. All right, Blaine. Well, I'm going to cut you loose. I thank you for calling in and hanging with me today. I can't wait for November. Uh, we'll, we'll, do the, we'll do a little record release party on the 11th when it comes out, and we'll, uh, we'll have a good time then. Yes, sir. Nail it on the calendar. We're there. Thank you so you much, and spin us one more. You got it. I got to live it for the moment. I know it's an older one, but I'll get it on, and we'll save the other well, one for the, the next time you come on. That's the title track to the new record. All right, Blaine. Thank you very much, buddy. I'm sorry for the little problems before. Hey, thank you. We'll see you in November. You got it, Blaine. Take care, buddy. Here you okay, go. Mike.
go. Some more November. Living for the moment. We'll have Blaine back on here in November because I didn't get to talk to him for as long as I wanted to. Uh, I lost the connection there for a little bit after the Neil Turbin interview. But you know what? If you listen to the podcast, you'll hear it all now. I'll cut out that dead air when I re-upload it later on. But I want to thank Giovanni Torres, Peter Vasquez, Jake Dwyer, Neil Turbin, and Blaine Gilbert all for calling in tonight. Had a great time talking to everybody. And it says Blaine will be back on in uh, November. And Neil, he'll be back again when he has his new record out. We'll talk to Neil. All right, let me see. Maybe we'll do one more song. Since we're in the podcast, I have about five minutes left. How about some Metal Church Hitman? Don't forget to tune in this Thursday, everybody, to the Metal Matinee at 1 o'clock. Hopefully I can make it through the entire show with no problems. Take care. Have a great work week and enjoy your Labor Day tomorrow.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.